Welcome to Sex Care is Self-Care, a conversation on women's sexual health brought to you by Patty Brisbane Foundation for Women's Sexual Health. I'm your host, Patty Brisbane. With us today is Dr. Sherelle Iglesias, a member of the Patty Brisbane Foundation Medical Advisory Board. Hi, Dr. Iglesias. Hi, Tell Patty. our listeners all about yourself. Okay. Hi, Patty. It's so good to be here. I am a board certified OBGYN and double board certified in female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery. I'm a professor of both OBGYN and urology at Georgetown University School of Medicine here in Washington, DC. And I'm the head of the division or of female pelvic medicine and, red, and reconstructive surgery for MedStar Health, which is a, a big health system here in the DC, Maryland and Virginia area. And I'm really happy to be here and talk to you about vulvar vaginal pain disorders. I am, we're all excited. So we're excited for the knowledge that you're going to bring to the table here today. I'm going to start by asking the most basic question. What are vulvar vaginal pain disorders and really how common are they? Okay. So vulvar vaginal pain is quite common. Um, I mean, you said 28% of American women will have chronic vulvar pain. So that it's about 16% of women in the reproductive age. And it is estimated that this is costing us, you know, millions of dollars a year. I'd actually 70 billion is what's estimated um, for people to treat people with vulvovaginal pain disorders. But I think you can separate it into those with a direct cause that if you find the cause is reversible and those where we, we don't know what's causing it. So those with direct cause, the vulvar pain, it, um, it could be something like a yeast infection, herpes, afterbirth trauma, when you have like episiotomies that get um, inflamed, it can be trauma itself, certainly with, with age um, and menopause. And I think we're gonna talk about that on another podcast, but yeah. the dryness that can occur with um, menopause, the menopause transition in the vulva and the vagina. And then you can get, you know, this other more nebulous vulvodynia. So vulvodynia really in Latin is just pain in the vulva. And one of the major areas where this pain affects is called the vestibule. So the vestibule is from where the hymen starts um, at the opening of the vagina to where the skin starts to get the pigment. Um, so that whole area is probably comprises about 80% of the nerves um, in the vulva and the wow. vagina. That is, obviously the clitoris is in that area and it's an extremely sensitive area. So when we have pain that's not caused by something that's reversible that we can identify, like say a yeast infection or herpes outbreak, um, and it continues for more than three months without a clear cause, that is known as vulvodynia or vestibulodynia, which is pain, dynia in the vestibule. And it could be localized to certain areas in the vulva, or you can have generalized uh, vulvar pain. That's basically in a, in a nutshell. <laughs> so let me ask this question. Does one just all of a sudden have an onset of this? I mean, is that how it happens or? A little bit more insidious. And there, I, I, I must say there are other dermatological disorders and um, one of them could be this autoimmune condition 
where some, you know, you get, you get irritation. It can happen like once every two months or, you know, two or three times a year, and then it gets more frequent. And those are conditions like lichen sclerosis and lichen planus. Now that is um, more of an autoimmune cause. And if identified, then the treatment is, is also can be very effective. But you have to make sure the right biopsy is done, the right specialists are seeing, the right, the right uh, ointments are being used. So getting a good diagnosis with a really, a person who knows how to do a really good physical exam for someone who has vulvar pain and not just treating yourself with like over-the-counter yeast medications and assuming, you know, particularly since we're doing all this telehealth, you know, I'm going to call you another Diflucan or whatever it is. I think at some point you cannot do telehealth down there. <laughs> There's only so much pictures you can see on telehealth, but the bottom line is it can be, and what you're saying, there is, a, there is something known as primary vulvodynia, where maybe the first time you put a tampon in or the first time you have sex, then it leads to pain and it can last more than three months and then go into this chronic vulvodynia. But a lot of times it's secondary, like it happens like it just happens over time more insidiously. Okay. Yeah. So does vulva vaginal pain disorders have a clear cause or is the treatment about managing the symptoms? Yeah. Well, I, I think the vulva vaginal pain that we can identify as not being um, this more nebulous vulvodynia has a clear cause. Those are the ones I talked about, you know, a clear infection a clear birth trauma, poorly, poorly, poorly um, um, repaired episiotomy site, um, uh, the lichen sclerosis and the lichen planus. These are these dermatological conditions that can affect not just the vulva vagina, they affect mucous membranes. So you can actually get in your mouth and stuff as well. Um, all of that and menopause. I mean, and you know, the menopausal, what we call now, used to be vulva vaginal atrophy. You can't say vulva or vagina on like the Today Show. And atrophy is such a terrible word that now it's genital urinary syndrome of menopause or GSM. Um, but that is also reversible if we know that we can use some local estrogens or other non-hormonal treatments. The conditions where um, we, we, we ruled out all the stuff that's reversible, but the pain still exists, that is the vestibulodynia. That's the one that lasts more than three months. That's where you need to have an astute clinician to be able to guide you to treatments that are related to the peripheral nerves and even sometimes to the nerves in the central nervous system. There's new science on this, Patty. Wow. Where we can break that cycle. And it's not to say that this is all in a woman's head. This is to say that this pain which was started peripherally has now become centralized in the brain. And there's very exciting research in this area, I must say. Good. We need that research. I know. And that's what's so great about the, the Brisbane Foundation. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, fibroids, endometriosis, and adenomyosis uh, can cause pelvic and vaginal pain. First, what is adenomyosis? Yes. Okay. So these are common conditions that can, that can, in reproductive age women lead to heavy menstrual bleeding. Fibroids are generally benign tumor growths of the uterus. Okay. Many women have them. In fact, like 80% of African-American women have fibroids. 
most of them don't turn to cancer. It's less than 1% that turn to cancer and you get a sarcoma and that's not so great. That, one, that should be identified. Endometriosis is when the innermost lining of the uterus plants elsewhere. Like it plants into the bladder or it, it plants into the, into the stomach. It can even implant into the lung. And so when you have your period, you're also bleeding in where these implants are. So some people think that, that, that they travel you know, out the fallopian tubes or it can travel through the blood that you get these, these endometrial lining implants that are abnormally placed. It can cause a lot of pain and a lot of scarring. You need to have a specialist to identify that. And then adenomyosis is when that lining, it's not implanted outside of the uterus and the fallopian tubes and the ovaries, it's actually eats into the muscle wall itself. So when you have a period, it's not fibroids, the whole uterus is, is shedding, you know, the whole, and it, it, it can, a very boggy uterus, it can lead to a lot of bleeding into a lot of anemia. So these are known causes and they can be painful, particularly endometriosis. And they can also be painless. You can have, and not have a lot of pain, but you have a lot of bleeding. The problem with the vulvodynia um, is that vulvodynia can coexist and you can have what's called chronic overlapping pain conditions. So like the endometriosis with vulvodynia can coexist and, and then it becomes a chicken and egg situation. But the bottom line is it hurts, your periods hurt. Therefore you have muscles that are getting very tense. And now just anything to penetrate is, is exacerbating the situation. You have sex and you have endometriosis and these implants are on the back of the uterus. So every time you have any time of penetration, you're feeling pain, which leads to, you don't want to, you want to protect yourself. So the muscles start to spasm and then nothing that's in, nothing wants to be put in there. So the vulva can have secondary pain. But the thing about chronic overlapping pain conditions is that vulvodynia or vestibulodynia is kind of a separate thing to itself sometimes. It can just be that it's just those nerves because it's so highly innervated in these erogenous zones um, that that is just what it's impacted. And that's probably a nice thing to have. But at the same time, you can have fibroids, you can have painful bladder, you can have fibromyalgia, you can have TMJ, you can have a bunch of other migraine headaches because you're hypersensitized and nerves in, your, in, in this region they just fire. It's almost like the brain's on fire and the multiple areas of the body. So you need to be able to treat holistically. And when we talk about treatment later, we're gonna talk about involving, you know, not just a gynecologist, you're a gynecologist, but physical therapists to work on the muscles. We yes. have pain specialists to work on the nerves and, other, and, and maybe even pain psychologists so we can figure out how we can best treat the central nervous system. It takes a village on this, right? Yes. And we're going to talk about that too, because I know you had some questions about why so many people see so many doctors. <laughs> right. And it is, it is all about helping her uh, find the right team to work with her. That is right. Yeah. Yes. And I think it's important to get the uh, sin to be able to pain map, show people, it's nice to have pictures of the bulb and say, you know, it really hurts right here. Right. And if you don't have a picture of your vulva, you can literally show and you put an X of where that pain is. Or if it's a big circle around the whole region, because it's generalized now, 
or now if you have pain elsewhere. I think that that's important. Obviously, people need to understand the anatomy as well. I agree. But you know, that's the great thing about the Patty Brisbane Foundation is we are collecting pocket calendars. So it makes it easy for when they go to their doctors, they can show that and say, these are my symptoms. Oh, good. Uh, because you can put a vulva on that calendars and then they could put an X with their little Sharpie. I, I love that you brought that idea to the table. We're, we'll be right on that one. Um, there is a, a, profan, a profound impact on sexual health for women suffering from these disorders. Is it possible to have these disorders and still, still have a sex life? 100% yes. So we want to be able to get what the cause is of the sexual pain, you know, of the what we call dyspareunia or pain with intercourse. And so this is very treatable. There are people who have chronic vulvar pain, obviously if it's something that like a yeast infection or a, a vulvar skin condition, like we can reverse that. We can treat that, it goes away. You can be on your merry way. I love treating the dry vaginas because we have all the lotions and potions and we have all the hormonal treatments that are very reversible and that we can. But vulvodynia, it does take an astute diagnostician to show where the areas are that hurt. We usually start with um, lubricants and lotions, but we also have topical anesthetics. I mean, granted that's a short period of time, but like a, a lidocaine ointment. 5% that you can at least numb it up. So then that's numbed, even though it's short period of time, um, that should be able to allow for you to have intercourse and use the appropriate hormonal treatments and the appropriate lubricants. On top of that, um, we might need medications to help with the nerve pain. And then we might need physical therapy to help with the muscle pain that developed because you know, you were trying to protect yourself but not have anything penetrate. So the muscles were like, like totally wanked. Um, so that, that can work out with physical therapy. We even have Botox for some of these muscles. And then we can get into more holistic approaches with um, not just pain management and other pain medications. I mean, there's anti-seizure medications, there's antidepressants that we use that are focusing on the nerves. Not to mention the fact that you can get depressed about this too, Patty. Right. Um, but cognitive behavioral therapy and working with a sex therapist. And, and sometimes, you know, with a couple, just to understand that um, what, what is going on here um, so that we can work together. Um, and it's going to, sometimes you can't just point and shoot on, in situations like this. You're going to need to go slow. I think it's really important that you brought up even bringing a sex therapist in because mm -hmm. I think sometimes your partner may think that you don't want to participate. You don't want to be there. You don't want to be with them. Yeah. And, and then that leaves her feeling very empty and, and it's not the truth. So I think being able to sit down with a therapist and just discuss what is going on so they better understand. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So thank you for, thank you for that. Um, women see an average of seven doctors before they receive a diagnosis on this, these conditions. Why, why is this? Um, you know, I, 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 I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to say in our 15 minutes of managed care time, it's sometimes difficult to focus on this when you're a primary care doctor. So you almost need to, um, 
make a separate appointment. Not, not you, I mean, we always say you can't be well and sick on the same day, you know, when you're seeing your gynecologist or even your primary care doctors who do women's health. So I think when you're having problems with sexual pain and you're having problems with burning and itching and you've tried all the over-counter stuff and they've given you the hormones, they've given you the lubricants, it's not working. We need to almost uh, do a detailed exam. So the important thing on this is the physical exam and the diagnosis, diagnosis, diagnosis. We wanna rule out anything that is reversible, like the skin conditions and the hormonal things, but we wanna focus in on the nerves. And when you do this exam, you almost wanna look specifically in that area of the vestibule. And you know, like the right at the bottom of the skin bridge, you know, between the vagina and the anus is called the perineal body. Right. At that six o'clock position, uh, where all those converge at the opening of the vulva, that's called the central tendon of the perineal body. That's a classic spot to have one of these vestibular um, dinocytes. And so we do a little Q-tip test all around that to see. In some severe, I mean, we try all the stuff. So say you try um, the lidocaines and the lubricants and the hormones, and you don't even have to be menopausal. You could be on breastfeeding and you can be breast cancer and all of these, um, you know, these, we're going to talk about that next, next time, all these hormones, you know, these GnRH agonists that make the vagina dry. Um, you can also be on very low dose um, birth control pills, such a low estrogen state that the vagina were a top of estrogen use. Anyway, you try that, you try the pain meds, so like the gabapentinoids, like uh, Neurontin, tricyclic antidepressants like Elevil or amitriptyline. These are drugs that we use to focus on the nerves and say physical therapy, um, you've had your cognitive behavioral therapy, you've even had your sex therapy and in some, it's still not working. At that point, it may be helpful to see a pelvic reconstructive surgery because we actually can do surgery um, and specific surgery. You don't wanna do very destructive surgery to eliminate some of the areas that are most um, most impacted. So we will so, do a little, um, it's it's rare, but if it's a just a peripheral site, that is actually can be very effective. And there's some evidence about, behind this for getting a little vestibulectomy, but targeted. So let's let let let's go back just a, a moment okay. here. So now she's at her her doctor and she's not getting any results at all. Her next step is to see who. Well, I would see someone who specializes in vulvar disorders, like uh, your gynecologist or gynecologist who specializes in vulvar disorders. And honestly, we, there is a National Vulvodynia Association. It's actually here in Rockville, and they can help you. They have a 1-800 number um, from the NBA where um, they can match you up with people who are specialists in your area. But I do think... Um, you can even just bring it up with your gynecologist and say, do you think I have vulvodynia? Um, do you think that this is something that I'm going to have for the rest of my life? Or is this something that we can, you know, get ahead of? The, those are great questions. So um, do you think by asking these types of questions, you'll eliminate seeing so many doctors just having these questions there? I think so. I think that um, educating yourself you know, we were talking about self-care. I think that you have to almost be your own advocate sometimes because right. again, you. you've got 15 minutes of managed care time and they're going to be doing your pap smear, talking about, 
you know, your mammogram screening, your bone density, your colon cancer screening, all the stuff that they have to check, check, check. Um, and sometimes this needs a separate visit just to be focused just on the vulva if it's bothering you. And it's, not, you know, obviously it's affecting 16% of reproductive age women. So it's not uncommon. Fortunately, the majority of it is treatable. I think if, you're, if you get the right team. It's make, about that team. And make the um, right choices. Mm -hmm. So let's go back one more step. What is the best place for you to start if you think you're suffering from one of these disorders? Well, I do think that, you know, talk to your healthcare provider, particularly if it's a person that deals with women's health. Um, mm -hmm. If they don't have the right answer, seek out care from a vulvar clinic or a vulvar specialist. Um, honestly, there are a lot of people doing research in this area and there's several pain fellowships that are just focused on pelvic pain. I think there's a great one at, at North Chapel Hill in North Carolina, um, but there's some, there are some very famous people who are just doing major research in this area. Anyway, the National Vulvodynia Association, I think it's nva.org, is another good resource for you to find someone or maybe even enter a clinical trial. Um, hopefully something that's like funded through the NIH. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Or maybe through the Patty Brisbane Foundation in the future. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, I want to thank my guest. Dr. Cheryl Iglesias for a great conversation. Uh, for more information on the Patty Brisbane Foundation for Women's Sexual Health, our six focus areas to download, let's discuss pocket cards to start a conversation with your doctor. Visit the pattybrisbanefoundation.org. Remember, sex care is self-care and sexual health matters. <laughs>